0: Hey everyone! Today I am with Dr. Zabaris. Did I say that right? I meant to you did. You. Yes. Good. Okay. Excellent. Yeah. Um, a psychologist and food freedom coach, and she helps women develop a healthy and happy relationship with food without guilt or emotional eating. And she is the founder of the Health Mindset Matters program, which helps women discover the science and psychology behind their negative spiral of weight struggles binges and emotional eating and it helps them to learn how to tune into their bodies and rediscover how to eat for nourishment and enjoyment and creating a mindset for health and so welcome.
1: Thank you very much Rachel I'm very honoured to be on your podcast today.
0: Thank you so I'm really excited to um, get into the difference between a dieting mindset and a health mindset and kind of what you mean when you say creating a mindset for health yeah I think super interesting but we will just start um by going into your story a little bit if that um is okay with you so what was your relationship with
1: food and your body like when you were growing up so as a kid, I reckon I didn't really think very much about food or my body. I was quite sporty. I really loved being outdoors. I played a lot in team sports, And I guess it was only as I became a teenager that I started being much more aware of my body and possibly as an early teenager, not really in a negative way, but maybe around 15 or 16. That's when things started to change. It was at a time when basically all the adults I knew in my life were dieting and I started to feel a lot more self-conscious about my body. So even though I was still like, massively into sports, so I saw my body kind of as a way to do those activities. But I remember very clearly, and I don't know whether it was just this thing or a series of things that happened, but I got quite a negative comment about my thighs from a guy in my class when I was about 16. And that's when I thought, yeah, I actually want to shrink my body. And that's what got me onto a dieting cycle. And back then, no social media, it's more about magazines. And I actually remember very clearly flicking through magazines and thinking about, well, what diet can I go on? And I really just wanted to be like Cindy Crawford. (laughs) And that that was a time in magazines where they used to give um, the measurements of like supermodels. So you knew what they're... Bust, waist and hip measurements were. And again, I remember doing that, like measuring my meat myself and thinking, right, I need to take some inches off here, some inches off there. So really so ridiculous when you think about it, but that's what got me started on diets. I did all those faddy diets, you know, whatever you think of a faddy diet, like cabbage soup diet, Atkins diet, fat-free when fat-free was a fad and, and really low calorie. And actually I spent a period of time at school, really not eating very much. I used to eat like an apple and a yogurt a day. Um, yeah, so that was kind of through then. And, and then from that extreme dieting, I guess I would call it, that I, I went through a phase where I was either like really restricting my food, Or I was binging and then I learned how to purge as well. So sort of maybe late teens, that disordered eating turned into an actual eating disorder, which was bulimia for me. So, yes, that was as a child. I don't know if you want me to carry on and I can tell you sort of what happened after that.
0: Yeah, I think it's interesting just in terms of classifications and things that you were saying you were eating very little in the day. Mm. but then also not seeing actually maybe that was not eating disorder at that point because I don't mm. know when we work with clients sometimes when we kind of look back and they're like oh I actually started earlier than I thought it did like there's all of these little mm. risk factors or it's kind of building up until that point but I think sometimes when we're so in it yeah. we don't see what's happening or we don't want to totally. see what's happening until it gets over a certain yeah. point that's also really interesting what you said about magazines posting people's body measurements because we're all so different it's just not possible yeah. well it is
1: obviously possible to compare
0: because that's what you yeah. were doing but like really uh, I don't know how to phrase this in another way it doesn't make sense for us to
1: compare not not at all I mean given the fact that even like Cindy Crawford's taller than me for then mm-hmm. you, you know you you can't compare people's body shape and size but it was it was a total obsession I remember you know I used to and I wouldn't be able to remember offhand now but I knew mm-hmm. Cindy Crawford I knew Elle McPherson, I knew all those supermodels who were big in the 90s that that was my like right I want to be like them they're beautiful they're gorgeous um that's what I want to be as well
0: yeah and I think on some level it makes sense to people doesn't it like oh if I eat like them then Mm -hmm. I would look like them yeah um what is like another comparison that we would do I feel like we Growing up, we learn by copying other people and doing Absolutely. what they're doing. However, there's a whole lot of biology going on in your body, physiology, mm-hmm. your own personal psychology that mean even if you end up copying them, yeah. you're going to have the same outcome. And we just don't think about those things. Absolutely.
1: Absolutely. In the first
0: place. And I think it's even yeah. been promoted by the magazine, isn't it? Of like, oh, look. Yeah. His yeah, copy.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> ten, ten day diet. I remember doing a lot of those kinds of things because it was like, oh, this is what so and so does. Therefore, do a ten day cleanse or do a you know quick fad diet or a four day. I was like, great, I'm in. I'll do it.
0: Yeah, I think that stuff is a bit less common now. Mm-hmm. Um, but I yeah. know some magazines even when I was working, which was like, or when I was working for my parents because I, I remember reading them at like lunchtime um were like basically what this person eats in a week like a healthy yeah. fitnessy type person yeah. and it would, oh for breakfast I have this for lunch I... and it will basically give you that
1: yeah seven
0: days which usually had lots of diet rules or mm-hmm. kind of inherent into it and so you kind of pick up on that some rules from one diet yeah. some rules from another diet which yeah we going to talk talk about what is the dieting mindset yeah a bit later but it sounds like you were also getting that from um the people around you like the adults around yeah. you actually what I was going to ask you about like how are the practicalities of like the cabbage soup diet when you were 16 like what did your parents kind of think
1: about that so I think I was probably a little bit older when I did the okay. cabbage soup diet <laughs> I think I was 18 and I had a um period of time when I was living on my own. So that's when I would have done that. I think when I was, um, I actually did a really random diet actually with my mom. Cause I remember my mum was on Weight Watchers when I was sort of 16, 17. So it was, I guess we were maybe eating a little bit like that anyway. Um, but I remember doing a really like four day diet with my mom and my aunt. So, you could only eat one thing every day for four days one day was potatoes one day was tomatoes one day was chicken and then you're back to t- potatoes again I mean oh my gosh you wonder where
0: the rationale for that comes I from have, okay. literally
1: no idea no idea it we was, would not but, recommend that <laughs> no definitely not do not do it and it's really boring as well like you know boiled potatoes for breakfast but you know there was a little bit of camaraderie there but mm-hmm. I guess my more kind of I I spent my, so, some of this period of time I was actually um, at a sixth form boarding school so some of the behaviors that I was engaging in was quite easy to do because my parents weren't there to really see what I was doing so the apple and the yoga today scenario that I gave you earlier that was when I was at boarding school and you know people don't really there's so many people you know you can sneak in and out of the dining room pick things up not sit down I always had an excuse or I'm you know I've got to go and do such and such I need to go and study I need to do this so you can really slip through the net um, when you're in that kind of environment and a lot more of my extreme dieting habits I think were when no one could really see what I was doing so cabbage soup diet when I was living on my own
0: yeah I think that's a good point it's very similar to my story as well like the times that my eating disorder was the worst was when I was living mm, on my own yeah because you're like oh great I can do what I want now and almost exactly. you... I know you mentioned about adults in your life being on diets but I'm gonna guess or assume you also had some positive food behaviors being modeled absolutely as well and yeah. when you're on your own you don't get those as yeah. often so it's kind of easy to go down the rabbit hole
1: yeah totally I totally agree and to, sort of to your point, my late, later sort of early 20s, I was living in London. I wasn't living alone. I had one flatmate, but a lot of my, um, like more, I, I started doing more binging and more purging mm-hmm. at, in that period of time, kind of my first job out of university. And I remember I would be like walking home from work, pretty rough, you know busy day, whatever, I'd be like, right. And I'd go into the corn shop, buy a whole load of stuff and and it's you're by yourself. No one knows what you're doing. I knew my flatmate was out and that would be a perfect opportunity for me to engage in that behavior. So a lot of my, yeah, eating disorder was behind closed doors. Like no one, no one knew what I was getting up to at all. And it was very secretive and it felt really wrong and bad but I didn't have, I just didn't know what else to do. It felt like food was just such a way for me to cope. Um, and it just felt like the best way at the time to deal with, I guess, some of my emotions, what I was going through and stuff.
0: Yeah, I think I can feel like really sort of like a trap because it's like you mm-hmm. need it. So you don't want yeah. to tell other people. But if you've had that support, Yes. Maybe you would be able to process Basically. it in a different way. So I think it is I can definitely relate um, yeah. to, to what you're saying about that. Um, also, a quick um, side note. So I know you did um, occupational psychology mm-hmm. at some point before you moved into um, being like a food freedom coach. Mm-hmm. Um, what was your undergrad degree? Psychology. Oh, psychology.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I did psychology at university. Moved to London, did a couple of years working in a totally different field, and then did my occupational psychology master's. So it's interesting, actually, you say about support because what started my journey of recovery from bulimia was reaching out to my boyfriend at the time, who's now my husband. And because I think he knew, he knew what was going on. We were spending that much time together. and, and I knew that I wanted to get better. And, and actually that first step of kind of reaching out telling him was just so helpful in that journey. And then that's when I re- reached out and I got um, an eating disorder counselor. I also went to see a nutritional, um, nutrition counselor. I think they called themselves or nutritional counselor which just really helped me like relearn how to eat because I'd forgotten how to eat. I was so used to either restricting or binging. I didn't, I was like, I don't know what is normal to eat in it mm-hmm. on a daily basis. And that was the beginning of my recovery from bulimia in my mid-twenties. But I I feel like I fell into another, um, which obviously isn't technically classified as an eating disorder, but I definitely was orthorexic for quite Mm -hmm. a few years. And that was post. So I had a few years of like what I would call like relative food freedom between my um, mid-twenties and early thirties. And then after I um, had my children... That whole experience of my body changing so dramatically um, with my kids and then that enormous pressure that there is on women to get their, you know, bounce, bounce. Your body's going to bounce back or nine months up, nine months down or lose a baby weight. That kind of spiraled me into now I realize, was orthorexia, but through wellness culture. So I knew that I was never going to go on another diet again because of my experience in my teens and 20s. But then this was a time when wellness culture was just such a wonderful thing, and you should give up this for a health reason and don't have sugar and avoid gluten, and dairy is not so good for you. So I was like, oh, great, I'll just do this, but it's all because of health. And I got so, I remember how positively praised my eating behavior was oh you're so good i can't believe you can be so um you know disciplined in how you eat and all that so i ended up falling back into an eating disorder almost really unintentionally and then ironically at the same time training as a health coach um which I always think is quite funny. Um, And then thankfully that orthorexic period wasn't a very long period, maybe like two or three years. Um, And I definitely didn't, sort of with bulimia, I just felt like I was so stuck in it. Whereas orthorexia, as soon as I realized what I was doing, I was kind of able to pull myself back out of it. But it's interesting how I think eating, once you've had an eating disorder, I think you can be quite vulnerable um, in years that follow for sure.
0: Yeah, I think there's certain personality traits or certain ways of mm. being, depends whatever you want to yeah. call it, um, that, yeah, I guess make you, like you say, vulnerable to it again, but I think mm. if you have that knowledge, yes, things you don't have to go down that route, but it could yeah. Yeah, still predispose you yeah. in the future if you're, yeah. you're not aware of it. And I think as well, especially with wellness culture, I had a health food blog um I was like doing my sugar-free granola a different granola would be grain-free granola a different granola would be a fat-free granola. Mm -hmm. like it could Mm -hmm. never just be a granola with like everything you might want in a granola and I I yeah I was so in it like this is so healthy yeah Um, probably reading more blogs about it which is not to say don't ever eat a sugar-free granola or don't ever eat it yeah yeah but um yeah, I just want to make one point before we go on to actually what is a dieting mindset and a health mm. mindset, because we kind of said off air at the beginning, actually a health mindset might sound to some people like, oh, well, wellness, health yes. this is what we're really focused on, which then you mentioned about the orthorexia, but actually, I think your definition is very different. So it'll yeah. be interesting to go into that. Um, I just wanted to pick up on something because I think sometimes people think like, when you're a psychologist... Yes. You should never have like a mental health um struggle, issue, difficulty, whatever you want to call it, but actually doesn't mean that at all. It means we know a lot about psychology of probably when you learn how to help clients and certain skills and techniques, you can use them on yourself, but you also might be missing certain understandings about things that only a specialist in that area has. So um yeah, I just think it's nice that you brought up that you were doing health coaching, but also struggling with some things. Yeah, I think people
1: can relate. Totally. And I think even it's interesting doing my psychology degree. So right when I was struggling with um, my eating disorder and also I had a period where I was feeling quite depressed and anxiety and having anxiety. um, It was actually doing the psychology degree and learning about it and then going, oh, actually, I think I might be depressed. And that thing that happened to me the other week, that was a panic attack. I didn't realize what was going on with me and actually it made me feel less like the only person experiencing this so it was kind of positive but it's interesting you say that because just because you've got a psychology degree doesn't mean you're going to be immune to these things i think it helped me in my healing process because i went to speak to a psychologist as a first step to healing with my from my eating disorder who was specialized in eating disorders and I actually found it once I really understood some of the nuances. I was like, oh, OK, right. So maybe maybe because of my psychology training, I felt like I I healed. Um, I don't want to say easily, but mm-hmm. it was a smooth process because I really understood a lot of the, the stuff that she was talking about. So. So, yeah, it definitely doesn't make you immune, does it?
0: <laughs> yeah, that does make sense as well that maybe you understand stuff. So you manage to skip certain conversations that yes. other people might take up yeah um several sessions and things okay so i know that you've got a video on youtube that has been very popular um (laughs) talking about what i've mentioned about three times already Mm. the difference between a dieting mindset and a health mindset so could you just give us an overview yeah basically what is a diet mindset and then what is your view of the health
1: mindset like how are they different do you have some examples for us totally so I think just to take it a slight step mm-hmm. back one of the big things that I think when you when we're working in this area whether it's food freedom or um you know just more broadly around disordered eating is helping people separate the idea that to be healthy you need to be a certain size or you need to lose weight so it's separating that and this is where I think the difference between a diet mind dieting mentality or dieting mindset and a health mindset comes in so I think that what happens when people are in a diet mindset so it's almost like the spiral you for whatever reason decide you want to be thinner So you go on a diet and maybe you do lose a bit of weight. And most people like this is even what the research says that within the first six months, the vast majority of people lose about 10% of their body weight, regardless of what kind of diet they go on, whether they do keto or Weight Watchers, it doesn't really matter. So you feel this little sense of like, ooh, this is working. It's wonderful. I'm so excited. But then because whatever diet you're on, there'll be a list of forbidden fruit foods. So even if like in certain diets, it's classified, you know, like red, orange, green, or whether it's, you're just not allowed certain foods or whether there are like literally forbidden foods, you start to experience cravings for those foods because you've told yourself you can't have them. Eventually you cave in, you feel really guilty. You then start thinking, Bad thoughts about yourself. Oh, I'm such a failure. I have no self control. If only I had more willpower. Um, You know, you may end up having a full on binge like I used to do. I was either super restricting or like properly binging. Or for some people, it's just like they say, Oh, I've fallen off the wagon. I didn't manage to stick to my diet. And then what happens? You feel so guilty. You're like, Right, I want to start a diet again. So a lot of people who have this dieting mentality get stuck in this loop over and over again. So a dieting mentality, if we want to think about, like food and exercise, I think are the two things in terms of dieting mentality we can talk about the most people are focused on if they're trying to lose weight. So a dieting mentality um, is all about restricting. So restricting food, whether that's food groups or calories, you often have to earn the right to eat, so you're asking yourself, do I deserve it? Have I been good enough today? Maybe you're gonna allow yourself a piece of cake at birthday, am I, am I good? Or maybe you feel like you need to sort of jog it off or something like that. Um, and the dieting mentality also has you categorizing food. So there's definitely some foods are better than others. Um, and if you eat something bad, then you feel, you feel guilty. You have to pay penance to make up for eating something bad. So when I talk about health-focused mindset... Can I just
0: jump in oh, yes, real quick about do. the sneaky diet? Um, oh, yes. The sneaky diet, which is restriction, like you mentioned, in terms of amount of food or calories. But there's also these sneaky ones, I think, that are like, oh, you can eat chocolate on this diet. And chocolate being an example of what might be a bad food, you yeah. in some other diet, um, as long as it fits your macros, for example. Yes. So yes. you're still or your restricting points. you're yeah. still depriving all your points but it's just basically on the label it sounds like it's more critical. yeah they say we're not restrictive yeah but actually you're still having to follow certain rules or even stuff yes. like intermittent fasting when it's like well you can eat what you want but it's got to be yes. at certain time yeah and so i know you talked about the mentality but also then in terms of physiology what's going on in your body if you're not eating enough you might end up binging because your body's like i'm so yeah. hungry and you exactly
1: <laughs> exactly and actually that's a really good point because a lot of um quote unquote diets nowadays are actually telling you that they're not a diet. So I think Noom is a really classic. Oh my gosh, I knew you were gonna say that. (laughs) Where it's not a diet, it's a lifestyle. That's so like a classic phrase, Um, but actually it is because Noom restricts your calories and also they grade foods like it is, it's on a kind of a red, amber and green list. So you're allowed anything but you need to eat less of the red foods and more of the green foods. So there's restriction in some sense. So you're right, we, I need to be clear because a lot of people don't call them diets anymore. But I guess what where's different and what I talk about in terms mm-hmm. of a health-focused mindset is, um, so I talk a lot in my food freedom coaching Once you separate the idea of um, health equals weight loss or health equals a certain size, if we look at the health at every size model, they talk about health promoting behaviors. So actually what you want to do, what you want to implement in your life are behaviors that are gonna help your long-term health outcomes. And so this is where I'm talking about in terms of a health mindset. So a health focused mindset doesn't restrict food you um, yeah so you have no restrictions, you're eating. So there's a classic thing I think in a lot of um, uh, like diet mentality is that food is fuel. that's mm-hmm. what it is. But actually food is many other things it's for satisfaction, nostalgia even it's part of connection with friends. It can be emotional, so we're thinking in a health-focused mindset about food in a much broader sense. You're not depriving yourself of things, um, and you're eating for those reasons. So, for yes, for nourishment, but also for satisfaction and enjoyment, Um, and you're taking away the guilt associated with it. So, food becomes something that's neutral. So, again, this is something I spend a lot of time helping people with: is that If you stop labeling foods, even like good, bad, healthy, unhealthy, junk, whatever else, um, cheat or treat, because I think that can be equally um, damaging. And we just call food what it is. So it's an apple, it's a chocolate bar, it's a packet of crisps, it's some spinach. And then I really encourage my clients to call it breakfast, lunch, dinner, dessert, snack, rather than labeling it so that's what we're doing with what I call health focused mindset is we're taking away restriction we're taking away labels we're thinking about food in a much broader sense
0: Yes, I love that you brought up about the food as fuel thing because I actually have written in my like um kind of notebook about doing an Instagram post about Mm. this whether I do it sooner or later or when is, (laughs) (laughs) is another question um but my like I guess be in my bonnet at the minute about food as fuel because I think that can be really helpful for some Mm -hmm. people to think I agree if you're recovering from a restrictive eating disorder we realize actually my body needs yeah some nutrients and some calories and they have to function it's not going to function if I don't have it I think that's a step but then I think moving away from that again because our body isn't a machine I think sometimes diets Or when we think food is fuel, we think, okay, my body is this machine that needs exactly the same amount of calories per day. Oh, now I'm hungry when I've eaten that. My body shouldn't be doing that because I've had some fuel. Why am I hungry? And we're making hunger good and bad. That's my brand. You can hear me getting loud about this. Um, So I think it can be helpful in some situations, but I can see why you would help people away from that because, as like you said, food is so much more as well and. I guess to you talk a lot about um what is health as well like with my clients we talk about well being like actually health mm. is having good relationships and being able to go for a totally. friends and yeah. those sort of things it's not being obsessed about yeah. food so I think sometimes as well helping someone find their own definition of healthy and realizing yeah. oh my gosh this is so much more than just what I'm eating or it's so much 100 percent than even just physical health, like, yes, we want to be physically healthy yeah. so we can do all the stuff we want to do. But if that's coming at the cost of yeah. the rest of the things yeah. that you want in your life,
1: totally, quite a big cost. And I think the mental health cost is a big thing mm-hmm. because I see people being so obsessed and focused on food and sometimes exercise that that it's, it's making them more stressed. And I even think, too, the years that I've had disordered eating – Um, In both senses, whether orthorexia or bulimia, I used to get horrendous stomach issues. Mm -hmm. And the doctor just said I had IBS and I've like, I literally have struggled with it for a really long time. And as soon as I started on my journey to food freedom, my stomach issues went away. And I realized for me personally, obviously this isn't going to be relevant to everyone, but for me personally, it was stress. I was stressed about the obsession that i had over food i was stressed when my husband brought home biscuits and i was like oh my god no one can eat this you can't give those to the kids like i just got stressed about what we were eating and whether it was healthy enough and was it organic i remember having this um this was my massive like almost like slap in the face Realization that there was something wrong when we were on holiday in France. I was there with obviously pre-COVID. I was there with my um, my husband and my two kids, and I burst into tears in a French supermarket because I couldn't find um, organic, like enough organic vegetables for us to eat, and I needed something that was gluten-free, and I couldn't find a gluten-free version of it, and I literally cried. And I just remember a couple of days later thinking I was crying <laughs> over. Not being able to have organic food, which, first of all, is like massive privilege in and of itself. So, like, but also just like I was unable to enjoy a Mm -hmm. beautiful holiday in France because I was so worried about what I was going to eat and that there wasn't going to be enough food that fitted in my very, very restricted, like super healthy kind of category. And that was the beginning of my kind of like realization, I think. And that is stressful so a lot of people who have stomach issues a lot of people's stress is is stored in their stomach and as soon as I let go of that obsession my surprise surprise my IBS has gone away
0: yeah and I think just to validate like because again I can relate to what you're saying not that specific scenario but it's making me think of some some similar things um I could share like it does feel like the most important thing in the world at yes the minute, and it does yeah. feel that upsetting you can't follow these rules which I think Mm. comes back to the dieting mindset or it has to be this way otherwise it's wrong um one's popped in my head just I used to have rules about what times I could eat and stuff Mm. and we were in London and then it was kind of getting past the time that I wanted to finish eating and then we went to a restaurant and then there was a whole stress of like what can I order from this restaurant on top of which was like oh but now it's going to be late and then I was like constantly looking at my watch and on edge until my food came mm. and then wondering how much to eat and it's like again like you're saying I've just ruined this nice by exp- accident ruined this nice yeah. experience because of all these rules which I thought were the most important thing mm. um but actually I think the health mindset or whatever you want to call yeah the other way of eating <laughs> is more flexible it's like okay Absolutely. maybe I prefer to eat before a certain time actually no I don't because I like and not a bedtime snack, uh, but <laughs> hypothetically, if I preferred to eat before a set of time because of whatever reason, it made me feel better, like physically, to go to bed yeah. uh, with an empty stomach. But that would be flexible in terms of maybe totally. my friend invited me out and we had dinner later. Like that's okay. Yeah, it's okay. Exactly for that flexibility to happen. Yeah. It's not gonna. Nothing bad is gonna happen.
1: Yeah. And it's interesting you say that about um, flexibility because I think with a dieting mindset, it's just not sustainable. So, like your example and my example, like you're having an, a different a night out where it happens to be later than you would normally eat, or you're on holiday, it means you can't stick to your food rules, and that mm-hmm. stresses you out. Whereas, in my kind of perception of the health focus mindset, it's so. It's something that's long term and sustainable because you're focusing on your internal cues of like what your body needs rather than what a healthy eating plan is telling you to do. So it becomes something that you can do forever. And if life throws you curveball, you go on holiday, you're at a conference in a country, you know, in a foreign country, whatever it is, you can still do your approach to eating because it doesn't have those rigid rules, and so you don't get stressed out. About the fact that you're on holiday in France or eating late at a restaurant.
0: Yeah. What do you think is people's biggest worry when they come to you and you kind of tell them about this health mindset and then they're like, okay, I've realized that dieting isn't working for me because obviously it's yes. the point of, of seeking you out. But what do you yeah. think people kind of get worried about making the change?
1: Yeah. I mean, The classic thing, and I and I get people say this that people say this. I would really like to do your course, but I'm really worried that I'm going to put on weight. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a bit people's biggest worry is that they're they're so um, they've been following diets for so long. Maybe yo-yo dieting, or maybe they're in a position where they've managed to maintain very low calories and maintain a, a lower weight than their body perhaps is naturally meant to be um, and they're worried that if they start letting go of their restrictions that that means they're gonna balloon out of shape like in the words of one of my clients <laughs> so um yeah that's the biggest rule and so I think I end up spending an awful lot of time with people helping them decouple health and and being a certain size or weight loss because I think it's just everywhere isn't it diet culture tells us that you need to, be, you know, thinner is better or thinner is healthier. And so that's what you need to focus on. And for most people, that process is slow, but they get there. For some people, um, they don't. They just I I had one client um who was working through everything and like she was so happy about what she'd learned in terms of ditching diet culture. She was sort of ready to get going. And then she had an appointment with her doctor and her doctor made her like weigh herself measured her BMI and basically gave her a slap on the wrist and said you you need to basically lose weight and so she was like I'm really sorry I can't continue with you and I was like oh no it's like so sad and she actually said to me maybe I, if I lose weight I'll come back and I'm like it you know it kind of yeah I'm, I'm sorry I'm sorry for you because that's just really sad um and I think that's a really sad thing is that there's so many um so many people I know who speak to their healthcare practitioners who are so focused on a BMI or specific weight and and really encourage people to lose weight even when they don't really need to. So yeah, so a lot of it is about decoupling that idea. You can still, and this is what I spend a lot of time with. It's like you can still do sustainable health focused habits um, that have nothing to do with you losing weight and that is what's sustainable it's not sustainable if you're obsessed about losing weight
0: yeah and I actually listened to a really good podcast about BMI um, it's like an hour long so that's why we're not going into why we both probably don't like BMI um, as a measurement tool um, but I will link that in the show notes i have write a note for myself um, mm-hmm. to remember because they really go into like how was BMI um, conceptualized where did it come from what mm-hmm. was the evidence how actually um i can't remember who it was the board in america just decided to chase the cutoffs overnight national institutes of
1: health yeah
0: yeah people were like obese when they weren't the night before and there's a whole load of things and i think another thing is as well um yeah we've got this like weight and health thing but also there's also this thing in society as well about like you will be a better person
1: yes if you're
0: thinner or people I hear clients say a lot and I believed as well people respect me more people like Mm -hmm. me more if I'm thinner and sometimes that is
1: very difficult to get away from absolutely totally and I think the problem is it becomes reinforced doesn't it Mm -hmm. because often when people like when I first lost weight the very first time as a teenager and then again later and then when I was engaging in the sort of orthorexic behaviors I got a lot of praise. So people said, Oh my God, you look amazing. Like, what did you do? Tell me your secret. Uh, you're so disciplined to eat like that. So wonderful. Like, I wish I could eat like that. So you get a lot of that positive praise, positive reinforcement. So unfortunately, it does um, solidify people's thoughts that if I lose weight, things are going to be better. And it could be anything. It could be, you know, I'll be able to do this. I'll be able to. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I have people say, you know, when I lose weight, I'll go to that yoga class I've always wanted to do or I'll you know I'll I'll try for a different job I'll start dating like all sorts of things and I'm like no 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 live your life now don't wait till some sort of elusive goal because otherwise you're putting off life until and the problem is and my experience is that it's never enough because you start Mm -hmm. losing a bit of weight. You're like, oh, just a few pounds or a few kilos. And you do it and you're like, oh, just a few more. That was, you know, that went really well. And then it becomes this kind of never ending cycle and never ending goal that just keeps being pushed further and further away.
0: Yeah. And then like you were saying earlier, then when that diet stops working, you don't think, oh, it's the diet that's bad, oh it's me. Let me try a different one. Um, Exactly. it's a whole problem um in itself and yeah I think just to say sometimes I I feel like when I have conversations with people who um might want to work with me I am very upfront if they have talked about um worries about gaining weight I cannot promise you what is going to happen to your body and that is not a sexy sell personally with these cans of like oh you're going to lose weight let me help you sort out your relationship with food by drinking juice which probably is not going to happen <laughs> no, um <laughs> really, it's gonna get worse but I'd rather just be up front with people and people kind of have to take that leap and that risk but I do say well I'm going to help you manage your thoughts yeah and you know we can work on changing how you feel yeah. about your
1: body absolutely and, and I think that's a big
0: one isn't it potential comments that yeah. people might make so it's like yes your body might change or it might not Yes. And it might change in either direction, actually. Yeah. Yeah. We don't know. We can't guarantee it's worse if I promise you something.
1: Yeah. But
0: we can manage how you feel about it in the end. (laughs) Exactly.
1: And I think that's one of the things that has helped some of my clients is like, you might put on weight, but what else will you gain? Mm -hmm. So if you, uh, for example, don't get stressed out when you go on holiday, we don't get stressed out when you eat in a fancy restaurant or whatever it is like. It's getting them to like future scenario. What would it be like if you had that complete food freedom, you had that body acceptance or body neutrality and you're happy with where you're at? Like what what else would that give you? And the other thing I always get my clients to think about is like, imagine how much more time you would have if you weren't obsessing about counting calories, macros, um, reading backs of labels, worrying about sugar content, all those kinds of things that we spend so much time worrying about take that away and then suddenly you've got a lot of time in your life and imagine what that would be like as it's well. so
0: funny though because once i um, on an assessment with a client who then did work with me and then she was like but what would I do with that time that was almost a negative for her yeah. like oh my god I have to fill that which is funny when <laughs> when I finished working with her we kind of go through some things that people said at the assessment and like they can see how they've changed because sometimes yeah. people forget and I was like oh so did you have nothing to do then now you've got rid of all those diet words and she's like oh no I just found stuff to do like I don't yeah. know she could go to the cinema with her friends when she wouldn't have done that before or mm. even just go for a walk or do anything basically yeah
1: exactly <laughs>
0: time filled itself okay. so it wasn't a problem <laughs> <laughs> but I'm sure most people would actually like more time uh, exactly to, to do stuff exactly yeah. yeah and I think as well if you're listening to this and you're like but weight is like literally the most important thing I couldn't possibly even mm-hmm. imagine gaining weight and what that would be like that's okay as well if that's how you're feeling mm-hmm. and um so kind of go through what we have just been talking about like I've got an ebook on my website that does help you mm-hmm. kind of see what might be good about changing my eating or what might mm-hmm. be bad and how actually changing your weight as part of that might be good or bad things Mm. for you so maybe just take a minute to to download that and have a have a look through that because I think there are so many things when you sit down and look at it aren't you like how many times has dieting been a bad friend to me yeah exactly. how many times has it helped me yeah Um, so what does food freedom mean to you I think we've already covered it a little bit
1: Yeah, so I um, mean, I think that as a very first step, it's about um, extracting yourself, jumping out of diet culture. So, and I, that's a really big part of food freedom, I think, is kind of not getting sucked into that. But, like I've said, I think food freedom is all about having um, no restrictions around the food you eat it's about having no labels. So food has no emotional pull over you or, or you could put it as a chocolate bar has the same emotional pull over you as an apple or some spinach. So you kind of, um, you don't have those like crazy urges and cravings to be binging. And food freedom is about eating for nourishment and enjoyment. So it's about all the things I mentioned about in terms of a health focused mindset as well so yeah that's what I would say yeah
0: I think that's a good point I think it is about nourishment and enjoyment yeah because the amount of times I ate like a green smoothie that was really disgusting
1: yes quite a lot
0: Um, (laughs) but equally I could make that same smoothie and maybe have a bit of spinach in it not like Mm -hmm. a whole Smoothie of kale because I don't even like kale. <laughs> um, that, you know, it's just more enjoyable, but I'm still getting those nutrients. So we're not saying never eat a fruit or vegetable. Totally. You, like you said, we yeah. talked about those health focused behaviors, but it's not making
1: those into new rules.
0: Yeah, and exactly. The stress over, but yeah. also let's consider
1: it a little bit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I think this is the journey that people go on because they think that if they give themselves unconditional permission to eat anything that they're just going to eat ice cream all day long and I get them to actually think about well let's say you could eat ice cream all day long imagine you had it for breakfast lunch and dinner maybe you'd want to do the same on the second day but maybe by the third day you'd be like you know what I don't want to eat ice cream I want something else and so and people are so surprised about that they're like oh yeah because the the reason you want to eat ice cream so much right now is because you restrict it and you don't allow yourself to eat it. But imagine you had it there and you could eat it forever. You become less obsessed with it and you don't need to eat it every day, and it just that desire kind of slowly drifts away.
0: Yeah, and I think the thing is as well. I think people worry, like you say, about eating like oh, I'm going to have too much inverted commas ice cream or diet. Yes, I'm telling you how much was too much, but then also there's so many possible foods that you can eat. I just find with my clients, they end up finding their own balance of what feels good to them. Out of all of those foods that used to be in good and bad categories, but now they can. Yeah, yeah. Um, I remembered one of the Instagram posts um, that I liked. Oh, yeah. I was telling Laura at the beginning, I was, I was looking at your Instagram. And I like these posts, but I can't remember what they were. Um, I think it's really good to have it as a visualization. The one that's basically like. Got the uh, days of the week down the side, and then it's like all salads. Monday, Tuesday, yeah. Wednesday, Thursday, Friday is a salad, and then the weekend is like inverted is junk food or the bad yeah. foods. And then the other one is like just basically all the different foods interspersed yeah. throughout the week. Or well, to me, it feels a lot better mm. to eat like that and be able to have that flexibility that we talked about than mm-hmm. saving up for that weekend, that cheat day, and even if you've got your health mindset and you were like oh no actually I want to eat salads in the week mm-hmm. and eat xyz on the weekend if that feels good to you yeah. and it's not those uncontrollable urges and binges okay go ahead yeah but I'd say for most people I don't even know why I started on this point but like having that mixture kind of feels, yeah. it feels like the freedom
1: exactly it does and I think it's that it's like if on a Tuesday it's hot outside and you decide to go and get an ice cream go for it like it's even if it you know I think for a lot of people that diet culture would have said no don't avoid it that resist the temptation eat less later <laughs> yeah exactly or make up for it in the next day or you know it's part of your point so exactly you can't have a, a carb at dinner or whatever it is
0: yeah oh my gosh there's a lot of unlearning to yes. go on. I think and I'm really how to trust your body and it sounds overwhelming but I'm not sure if yes. you can find this um, with clients as well. If we looked on paper, like these are all the diet rules you have that we mm. might want to change, it feels like a lot. But actually, I feel like, you know, once you've had a few conversations and you start taking some of them off, and then mm. with my clients as well, we kind of do that deeper work, like looking at their child like therapy side yes. of things. Actually, we don't need to take off every single one because some have just gone by themselves. Like maybe Absolutely. you are able to eat at different times, and that's okay. Yeah. But, it's not as long as it sounds
1: (laughs) that was trying to be reassured and i think a lot of them a lot of the rules are entwined aren't they Mm -hmm. so once you kind of let go of one three others disappear at the same Mm -hmm. time because they were all sort of part of the same thing yeah okay so i'm gonna ask the last question but i think we have
0: already covered it um if someone came to you and said i just want to eat normally what do you say to them
1: So I would say as a first step, because I think when a lot of people say this kind of thing to me, they don't think it's possible for them. So as a first step, I would say that you can do it 100%. For some people, it can be quite a quick journey. And for other people, it can feel very back and forth, round and round. But eventually, you can get there 100%. But I guess one of the things I guess a bit like you do is that First is it's to explore like how diet culture has impacted you, but maybe also how some of the core beliefs that you developed as a child are still impacting you and how that is manifesting in your behavior. But eating normally is definitely about letting go of restrictions. And I think for a lot of people, it can be um, things that you were doing, like things you were eating, for example, I don't know, I used to eat sweet potato brownies, for example, it's like letting go of things you don't like um, sort of you because you're retuning into your likes and your dislikes mm-hmm. uh, but there are some things that are I guess quote-unquote hangover from diet culture that I still love like I love a smoothie in the morning which is definitely something I did because of my orthorexia but I've continued doing it because I genuinely like it so eating normally is about knowing what you genuinely like eating for nourishment and satisfaction um, yeah
0: oh um, yeah tuning this, into your
1: body as well one more thing
0: point yeah i was on uh an instagram live with laura she was interviewing me which i'll put the link in the show notes as yes. well um, yes but we kind of talked about this didn't we Of actually mm-hmm. like just because you're moving away from diet culture it doesn't mean you can never eat those exactly and it just means you're deciding which ones exactly you like to eat and which ones yeah. you like to eat like and also your taste can change too because i think it's i true. actually genuinely did used to like pudding like um courgette in my porridge or like zucchini like they call it zokes. and I was like, oh I'm so yeah. healthy because I've had a ve- vegetable at breakfast um I think I genuinely did like it at the time but now I'm like oh no I don't have time for that I'll just have like <laughs> my usual porridge so it's okay for your taste to change yeah as well and for you to keep some of those tastes yeah um,
1: exactly okay
0: okay all right <laughs> uh where can people find you if they want to learn more about how to work with you
1: yeah. So I am on Instagram at Dr. Lara Zib and also on YouTube at doc- oh, Dr. Lara Zib on YouTube. Um, and if people want to find out a bit more about what I do, the work I do, you can find me information on my website, drlarazib.com. And I've got a free masterclass. So forward slash masterclass to get access to that.
0: Amazing. Thank you so much. Thank you. It's lovely to chat.